the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, October the 26th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 26, 2020, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court over the shrieking and gyrating of the far left. Today in 1774, the First Continental Congress adjourned in Philadelphia. Today in 1925, the Erie Canal opened in upstate New York. It connected Lake Erie and the Hudson River. Today in 1861, the legendary Pony Express officially ceased operations, giving way to the Transcontinental Telegraph. Can I make a little personal confession here today? When I wasn't wanting to be Roy Rogers as a kid, I was wanting to be a Pony Express rider, but I didn't have a horse, and I wouldn't have known where to take the mail. But I always kind of dreamed when I was about 12, 14 of being a Pony Express rider. So that all ended today, 1861. Didn't last very long, actually, but it became very famous. I think the last, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last Pony Express uh, delivery was actually in November. So they probably announced it today that it was over, and then they, you know, it was officially over, but it was actually over. I think it was in November, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody can check me out on that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Today, in 1944, the World War II Battle of Leyte Gulf ended in a major Allied victory over Japanese forces. Today, in 1984, Baby Faye, newborn with a severe heart defect, was given the heart of a baboon in an experimental transplant in Loma Linda, California. Baby Faye lived 21 days with the animal heart. Today, in 2001, President George W. Bush signed the USA Patriot Act. He gave... That gave authorities unprecedented ability to search, seize, detain, or eavesdrop in their pursuit of possible terrorists. That concerned many. In fact, one of our founding fathers warned us to be careful not to give away our freedom in the search of freedom. Today in 2010, Iran began loading fuel into the core of its first nuclear power plant, all for just domestic purposes, of course. Hillary Clinton is 75 years old today. She's talking about what she wants to do in the future. Pat Sajak, he's the guy, the host on Wheel of Fortune. He's 76 years old today. Nearly half of all the vote-by-mail ballots in Pennsylvania have already been cast. They were cast before last night's U.S. Senate debate, which was judged a disaster even by Democrats. This Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, it's a sad story. I'm not making light of it. I'm really not, but I'm I'm just, just getting at the truth. 
is Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. He's a Democrat. He's recovering from a stroke, and he's having a very difficult time, not unlike the president, a very difficult time putting coherent sentences together. And he has uh, refused to debate Dr. Oz, who is running for that seat as well, and he just wouldn't do it. So finally, there was so much pressure that they had put it off and put it off, and now we're less than two weeks from the from election day, so he agreed to do that. Well, <laughs> interesting part of that is that, and I'm sure they knew this, that many, if not most, nearly half of the votes have already been cast in Pennsylvania. So he sought to avoid this debate as long as he could, and his campaign has restricted his public appearances. Does this sound familiar of a couple of years ago in a presidential race? When he finally agreed to one, Democrats sought to delay the, the debate until ballots were already being cast by mail, since Democrats are more likely to use that method and more of the party's vote would already be cast. After the debate last night with uh, Dr. Oz, who is not really a conservative, uh, certainly not a social conservative, but anyway, he's a Republican. After the debate last night in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, 82% of the viewers who saw the debate on television, I didn't watch it, I didn't see it, but um, 82% of them said that the Republican nominee, Dr. Oz, won the debate. It's likely that some of those Democratic uh, de- Democratic votes would make a difference if and ma- they would vote differently if they had watched the debate before they voted. That was very calculated. You say, well, all is fair in you know politics and war. I suppose it is, but in the environment in which we live today, it's very it's concerning how the public is manipulated. Patty. Patty Murray has been manipulating. I, I mean, man, I've noticed that Democrats, and I pay attention to the markets all around the country and what they're saying in the local markets just because it's helpful to me for this program each day. And um, across the country, Democratic candidates are are criticizing their Republican opponents. It doesn't matter whether it's in Mississippi or Washington state for wanting to destroy Social Security and Medicare. And there's not a Republican on this planet that wants to destroy Social Security and Medicare. But voters, especially seniors, particularly if these seniors are not well-informed, it really concerns them. And a lot of them are fooled by these deceptive attacks. Well, Senator Patty Murray, Washington State's own Patty Murray, I mentioned on Monday in this program for a, on a different topic, but I, I mentioned Patty Murray, and I mentioned how that the Washington Post, not a conservative bastion by any stretch, has given her four Pinocchios, meaning four different things that she's lied about recently. And I didn't go into the detail because I was talking about something else, but that's what they gave her those Pinocchios for. Her claim that Republicans plan to end Social Security and Medicare if they take back the Senate. She's been saying that on her ads. You probably have seen that. Everybody in Washington has. But now 
She's up on television claiming to be a champion for seniors and for lowering prescription drug costs in the popular Medicare Part D program. Do you know that she opposed that and she fought that and she voted against it? In 2003, Patty Murray voted against the implementation of the Medicare Prescription Drug Improvement and Modernization Act of 2003. That's what that was about. It added a prescription drug benefit to Medicare known as Part D. Even more troubling, Murray described the legislation as flawed and a failure on the Senate floor on the record. She even added that the cost of the Medicare prescription drug coverage bill was far too high. I'm quoting her from the text here, far too high, and it was deficient. Well, today, Part D is popular and successful largely because it's it's a market-based structure. And since it was first created, federal spending has come in 45% below projections. Can you imagine that? Something government-relating costing less than anticipated? I can hardly believe that, but it's true. The CBO estimated in 2005 that Part D would cost $172 billion by 2015, but it has cost less than half that, $75 billion. And monthly premiums continue to cost less than projected, with current projections at just $31.50. I'm not promoting Part D. I'm just saying Patty Murray is not telling the truth. And she's frightening older people. Nearly 9 in 10 senior enrollees are satisfied in polls that I've seen in their Part D coverage. Given Medicare Part D's obvious success, Patty Murray is now trying to distance herself from her 2003 comments and trying to pretend like she didn't fight and try to kill that bill. And she's on there scaring people, old people, you old guys, <laughs> over... 40, over 60, five. She's trying to scare you. Us, I mean you, and trying to manipulate people that are uninformed. It's really sad. And she's running these ads now. You may have seen them. It's concerning. If they'll lie about that, what else will they lie about? As someone else has said, anything and everything. One other thing on politics, Ted Cruz has been very active lately. I like Ted Cruz. There's several Republicans that I really like in the possibility for becoming president. He's one of them. Ted Cruz has been out. He's been barnstorming, as they say. He's been in 17 states speaking and kind of using his influence for fellow Republicans ahead of the election. And uh, he was in Dumfries, Virginia, last night. Or no, I'm sorry, Monday night. He was Monday night. It was night before last. And he was um, he was campaigning for this Abigail, uh, or against this Abigail Spanberger, as a Democrat in Virginia. And he was um, advocating for uh, a, a woman. I think it's his, she's Hispanic. She's very bright, very a very good candidate. Her name is Vega. I I think that's her last name. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, she made this pitch for herself. Well, uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin was there, predicted she'd ride the red wave that became 
that began with his win in, in the, what had been a blue Virginia. But the most forceful pitches I noticed on the platform last night, there were several hundred people there. It wasn't like huge, but I mean, it was quite a few people. And, uh, but Ted Cruz gave a speech, but his dad was with him. His dad is a fiery preacher. I think he's 80-some years old, but he's a fiery preacher, very conservative, um, to-the-point preacher. He's a Cuban immigrant, and he was on stage um, last night or Monday night. Um, he was warning that there were Marxists across the river in Washington, D.C., and he said these Marxists are trying to take over the country. And he went on and on about it. I mean, he was really laying it out there. And he was quoting Bible scriptures and kind of preaching, actually. He said, if we lose this election, America is destroyed. Raphael Cruz. He thundered to the crowd, several hundred outside Montclair Tabernacle Church. He said, there will not be a 2024. This is the line in the sand. And the people were loving it. They were clapping and I mean, they were they were all in on this. Like I said, he's in his 80s. I, I can't remember how old he is, but I, he's 80-something. Anyway, he was laying it on the line and saying, this is the line in the sand. He's right. This is a turning point in America. This election and certainly the 2024 presidential election that will follow in 24 short months. I was thinking about how elections change the course of our nation. I was thinking about the various characters, the personalities that have come across the stage. They've been inaugurated as president. They've left from thinking of George Washington, thinking of others throughout history. And I I was thinking about President Barack Obama yesterday and how he came on the scene. Nobody knew him. They were talking about, man, his middle name, is it really Hussein? You know, and and uh, Hussein, the name Hussein was very much in the forefront of the minds of many Americans at that time. But of course, the left didn't care. They they didn't care what he had written in his books and what he had said negatively about America and what his father had said and so on. We elected him. I didn't, but they did. It's been a decade since Newsweek magazine ran a cover story, and perhaps this is the most consequential thing that Barack Obama did in his eight years as President of the United States. It's been 10 years since Newsweek magazine ran a cover story declaring that Barack Obama is our nation's first gay president. They weren't suggesting that he was a homosexual, although that wouldn't have been a derogatory statement as far as they were concerned. But they were simply saying he is the first gay president. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today because... We are in the throes of a, not a political, but a moral war. And Raphael Cruz, Ted's father, is talking about a line in the sand. And he's talking about it from a spiritual point of view. I would, I would extend that a bit further. As I talk about four days earlier, President Obama affirmed his support for so-called same-sex marriage on Good Morning America. But if you take a look at the run-up to that, it's a very different story. It was a radical reversal from the statements that he made about marriage during this 2008 presidential campaign. Did he outright lie while he was running for office? Or did he change his mind? 
Or, as the progressives like to say, did he evolve? In any case, he attacked and undermined, and to some degree blemished, in the minds of the secular public, the institution of marriage that God himself created for mankind. God knows what the man's thinking was, if it was calculated, just wanting to mislead America so he could get elected. I don't know. But we certainly know the consequences of his decision. Newsweek's May 21st, 2012 issue had not yet hit the newsstands or the Internet before Sullivan, Andrew Sullivan, was writing about it. He was telling the world that Obama's support brought him to tears. He's widely read journalist and a flaming homosexual activist. He said in part in the run-up to this Newsweek magazine with President Obama with with a gay kind of a halo over his head with all the gay colors, the rainbow colors and all that. His face fills the whole front page of the magazine. Andrew Sullivan said, I I do not know how orchestrated this was, and I do not know how calculated it is. What I know is that absorbing the news, I was uncharacteristically at a loss for words for a while, didn't know what to write, and like many dish readers, there are tears in my eyes. He continued, he said, The interview changes no laws. It has no tangible effect. It reaffirms for me the integrity of this man we are immensely lucky to have in the White House. Obama's journey on this has been like that of many Americans when faced with the actual reality of gay lives and gay relationships. Yes, there was politics in a lot of it, but not all of it. I was in the room long before 2008 primaries when Obama spoke to the mother of a gay son about marriage equality. He said he was for equality, but not marriage. Five years later, he sees, as we all see, that you cannot have one without the other. But even then, you knew he saw the woman's son as an equal, as a citizen. It was a moment, Andrew Sullivan says, way off the record at the time that clinched my support for him. Concluding, Sullivan said today, Obama did more than make a logical step. He let go of fear. He is clearly prepared to let the political chips fall as they may. That's why we elected him. Well, if you recall any of this, you will recall that Vice President Biden immediately grabbed a microphone, and I mean immediately, and he was in a better frame of mind then and could communicate much better than he can now. He grabbed a microphone and he claimed Obama had supported same-sex marriage for a long time, even though he had said earlier that he did not support it. This is Joe Biden speaking on behalf of the president when Joe Biden was vice president. But he, Joe Biden, he said of himself, had pushed the president to go public with his support for the LGBTQ agenda by telling the public, that President Obama actually did support redefining marriage for quite some time. I found that striking at the time, and even as I repeat it and and tell you about it, and many of you probably remember that, it's still striking. It strikes at my heart. Are they that blatantly dishonest? Yes, they are. President Obama knowingly or unknowingly overplayed his hand, though. When he chose to boldly promote same-sex marriage in 2012, he misjudged when he became Newsweek's first American gay president, 
picture on the front cover, rainbow halo floating over his head. In fact, I put a picture of that in an article that I wrote today on our website, faithandfreedom.us. You go there, you can see the picture if you want. Some of what I'm talking about here is in that article. But he misjudged not only the ripple effect of his dishonorable decision, how it would have an impact, a negative impact upon millions of families who don't share his progressive ideology, but also the intensity with this zealous crusading within his own party. He would soon seek to indoctrinate children, and they then would come to where we are today. That's how we got here. When somebody says, how do we get here? How did we get to this point where these pathetic transgenders are parading in front of five-year-old kids who are seated in their little chairs watching this man pretend to be a woman, and on and on and on. How did we get to this point? I'm telling you how we got there. It was a series of choices that we as Americans made. In many cases, we were misled. Barack Obama was not at all who he said he was, certainly not on this issue. That's a fact. He said he was for marriage, he became president, and then he supposedly redefined it. You can't redefine marriage. I mean, any more than you can redefine a cloud. A cloud is a cloud. God is God. Marriage is marriage because God instituted it. But we pretend. We live in a pretend world. The intensity of the these zealous crusaders, we didn't know. People didn't know how they would go after children. But now we're becoming the light is being turned on, and I hope that we have had a little part in that, and I know that we have. I want to thank you for your support, by the way. We need your support. I'm not going to talk about it a lot on this program because I'm not going to take our time for that. I know some do. They go on and on and on on Christian programs and stuff. I'm not going to do that, but we do. We really do need your support. We especially need to hear from you in Portland and southwest Washington if we are able to continue on KPDQ. We need to hear from you. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Anyway, Obama either deliberately or unashamedly subverted the historic and the time-honored institution of marriage between a man and a woman. It was a deplorable attempt to redefine marriage. It opened a Pandora's box, and that's what got us to where we are today. Activists continue to aggressively proselytize our children with their alternative religion of gender neutrality and sex ed in so-called education. The disturbing headlines speak volumes. National Science Teaching Association holds seminar instructing teachers on how to queer your classroom. PBS. <laughs> Many K-12 through school district officials and teachers have been deceived. They assume that promoting same-sex education and gender neutrality is a sign of enlightenment. No left turn in education founder and President Dr. Elena Fishman she told the Daily Caller News Foundation the other day that NSTA has completely abandoned its educational mission to promote political ideology cloaked in inclusivity. It's no wonder that America's students score pitifully low in science and math lower than most other countries now. Yesterday, PBS reported, quote, the new nation's report card is out, and the results are grim. I talked about that this week. 
Test scores are at their lowest level in decades, PBS says, with steep declines in both reading and math proficiency in nearly every state. PBS tries to blame most of our failing education system on the pandemic, but most parents have come to a point now where they know that we've been educationally in free fall for quite some time. And you can go back to the day that Barack Obama lied to America and said, oh, I'm for marriage between a man and a woman. As soon as he was in power, he wasn't for that. And he said he would no longer um, have his Justice Department defend the, the marriage law, DOMA. That's what happened. You say, how did we get here? That's how we got here. That's why what Ted Cruz's father was saying is true. We have to draw lines in the sand, and we have to say we will not go beyond this, and that's happening in America. Is it a revival? I don't see it as a spiritual revival. I hope and pray that it becomes that. But I do see it as an awakening among parents, and they're saying, wait a minute. You're telling my child what? Day in and day out? Thank God that's happened. There's a major pushback, and it's growing. Parents today are appalled by teachers who cleverly spoon-feed the progressive poison of gender neutrality into the impressionable hearts and minds of their kids. Brandon Showalter recently reported, he's a journalist, he said parents offer advice on fighting back against gender indoctrination as schools become ground zero. This Moms for Liberty is a group, they're a courageous group of Americans, are on the front line. Jeff Greenfield, he penned an op-ed earlier this year. It's titled, Democrats are losing the culture war. A messaging shift won't save them. We're finding now, uh, within less than two weeks of, of a major midterm election, that he was right. Dan De- uh, Delzell wrote in the Christian Post, he said, Speaking of messaging, candidate Obama carefully crafted the exact message about marriage he wanted to convey prior to the 2008 presidential election while speaking at the Saddleback Presidential Forum. Remember that? Saddleback Church with Rick Warren. Obama said, quote, I believe that marriage is a union between a man and a woman. Now, for me as a Christian, for me as a Christian, it is a sacred union. God's in the mix. He stated that in an interview with MTV in 2008. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. I am not in favor of gay marriage. Yet when he was elected, he immediately pivoted and became for gay marriage. I think people perhaps voted for Obama because they believed him. That he was not in favor of gay marriage. Gay marriage is a big deal to most Christians. It should be. It better be. The Bible is very clear on this. Obama's reckless assault on marriage did incalculable damage to the fabric of our nation. It's like a tsunami of righteous anger and parental participation that is now the pushback, and it's growing. Scripture declares that the tragic consequences when the truth of God is exchanged for a lie is always, always destructive. We're now living through those consequences. May God help us in these times. I was reading my Bible earlier this morning. I read a verse that I have marked in my Bible, and perhaps some of you have as well. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Remember when we used to sing that song? Leaning on the everlasting arms? Long time ago. 
Underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. That is the word of the Lord. Hey, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm not done, but I'm out of time. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. I'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.